Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Business Owners Radio, where established business owners get the latest insights, strategies, and practices to grow a sustainably profitable business. And now, taking care of business, your hosts, Craig Moen and Shai Gilad. And welcome to Business Owners Radio, Episode 54. Shai and I will be talking with Renee Bohr, co-author of the new book, How to Be a Great Boss. Renee will be telling us some of the best practices for leaders and managers he and co-author Gina Wickman have consolidated over decades of sessions with companies nationwide. Good morning, Shai. Good morning, Craig. Say, Shai, would you consider yourself to be a great boss? Oof, a great boss. Ooh, I don't know. Uh, great boss is definitely something to aspire to. But, you know, when I think back on my many different leadership roles over the years, I can't say that I've achieved greatness. <laughs> I could say I've learned a lot. And I think I've grown a lot as a leader. And I think I've learned some techniques that hopefully have made me a more effective leader. But, you know, being a great boss is something that you're constantly pursuing. Because I look at it as bosses, you're the person in charge. So I like to think of it in just in terms of pure leadership. Am I a great leader? And I think that that's something you are always aspiring to. How about you? Yeah, it's a continuous work in progress. I recall my first leadership roles, there were absolutely no training. You aspired, you were top number one, therefore you become a boss. And this is shock trauma as far as, oh, well, they should be just like me, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, But it's amazing uh, the correlation that's being brought out as far as this correlation between the disengaged employee and the not up to spec boss. Yeah, you know, and I think that we are all a victim of some of our natural limitations, and you're exactly right. You know, engagement is a big deal and, and it always has been. And people tend to leave places because they just can't stand who they're working for. or They can't find a common ground or a way to work well together. Yeah, I was looking at a Gallup poll from 2013 that actually put a price tag on it. Its analysis showed that the cost of disengaged employees was set at 450 to 550 billion dollars a year. Man, it's huge. Yeah, it really is. You know, you think of all of the business owners we work with, and this is one of the number one things that just comes up again and again, is how can I keep my employees engaged and inspired in what we're trying to do? And we're fortunate today to have an author who's written a book called How to Be a Great Boss. Our guest today is Renee Barr. He is the co-author with Gina Wickman of How to Be a Great Boss. This book was just released last month and is already an Amazon number one new release. Renee earned his degree in communications from the University of Wisconsin. Go Badgers! Total disclosure here, though. I'm an alumni of Wisconsin and Maryland, and I didn't know this about Renee until after the recording session we had with him. Renee has worked with leadership teams from more than 50 companies, helping them grow their organizations while enjoying more freedom to enjoy life. Good morning, Renee. Welcome to Business Owners Radio. Well, good morning, Craig. It's my pleasure to be on your program. I know a lot of the listeners out there wrestle occasionally with what the difference between leadership and management is. How do you and Gino look at this? Well, even though they're distinctly different, they're both very important. And there's lots of debates about, you know, whether leadership is more important than management or vice versa. And 
fact of the matter is they're both important, but they are different. And so leadership, when you think about it, is all about giving clear direction, which isn't about telling people what to do, but it's more about creating vision that fires and motivates people and gives people a sense of where they're going, why it's important, and how you're going to get there. Leadership is about creating an opening. You know, Gino's fond of saying it's sort of like creating a vacuum, and nature abhors a vacuum. It has to be filled. And so that's what leaders do. They create opportunities for people, and we refer to that as, as creating the opening. And then finally, when you think about leadership, it's about taking the time to think. So it's those four things, working on the business, giving clear direction, creating the opening. And on the flip side of the coin, you have management, which is about working in the business, you know, being willing to get into everything involved in the business. It's about creating clear expectations, which is really a two-way street when you think of it. It's about communicating well, and management is about doing. So as I said, it's like rolling leaves and being willing to get things done. Renee, I know you have a tremendous background in leadership yourself. And what was your most challenging leadership role? Great question. So early on in my career, I was working my way through college at Pizza Hut. You might have heard of it. And it was the perfect college guy job. And I went from making pizzas to getting into a position where I became the assistant manager. And so I had to go from working with my peers to writing them with some leadership and management. And boy, that's a tough transition. And, and that was at the very beginning. And when you think about you know anyone who advances through different levels of management, you're usually going from a situation where you've been working with a peer group to where you're now leading and managing that peer group. And that definitely has challenges. And what have you learned now that you wish you knew way back then at Pizza Hut? <laughs> to eat less pizza. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'd say that, you know, it's really staying focused on, on what business is all about. You know, helping people, providing a service. I mean, we're all in business to serve someone when you think of it. And on that and having a little fun along the way, you know, is very important. Renee, I noticed in the book that you've identified key practices in leadership and management. What are some of the leadership practices that you came across? So it starts with providing that compelling vision and providing the necessary tools. So when you inspire and motivate everyone with where you're going and how you're going to get there, it's really important as a leader to make sure that everyone that reports to you has the tools to get the job done. It's all about resources, training, technology, time, and attention. And those last two, time and attention, are really, really critical. If you've given clear action and you've provided the tools, you have to let people do what you've hired them to do. You've got to get out of the way and let them run with it. And this is where a lot of leaders struggle because they feel compelled to kind of keep their hands in everything. And that's frustrating the people when you've given them a really good sense of where you're going and united them with the tools. But if you're in with them, boy, that can be very, very frustrating. On the other side of that coin, keeping expectations clear. And what we mean by that is when you think about creating expectations and keeping them clear, our direct reports need to know what our expectations are of them, and we need to know what their expectations are of us. 
And it's a very, very simple concept, but it's amazing how often this breaks down. The second thing about management is communicating well. It's not just, you know, relaying a message. It's making sure that it was received well. And so for very, very simple things, and one of them is that we don't make assumptions, that we're willing to really go there and ask for clarity. And oftentimes we're afraid to do that for whatever reason. Because quite honestly, it's easier to act on assumption than it is sometimes to act with all the facts because it takes time to gather those facts. So one thing that helps is the question the statement ratio. When you really think about spending more time as a manager asking versus telling, you're putting yourself in a position where you're going to become a better listener. So it's really thinking about asking the right questions and then listening for the responses. And then when you get those responses, there's things that we can do. One of them is called echoing, where you just simply ask somebody, could you repeat what I just told you? Or you could say something along the lines of, you know, what I heard you just say was, and is that correct? I've done that, where people have said, no, that's not what I meant at all. It would have been really easy for me to just go off on what I've heard them say than to really get that clarity and slow things down a little bit. So communicating well is key management practice that you know, we all strive to be better at. Think about all the things that we've introduced in the last 20 years, just in terms of technology. Now we have email. We have text messaging. All we, have, these, we have all these different channels for how to misunderstand each other better. That's exactly right. And, and we can kind of laugh about it. But when you think about all these communication breakdowns, a lot of them are around this technology. I mean, I was at the airport the other day. It's amazing how many people have their heads down and they're just looking at their smartphones. You go out to dinner and you see anybody conversing? Very rarely. People are all looking at their smart devices. So there's a real challenge here. You can't solve issues with emails. And what that does is just complicate and drive, I think, a bit of a wedge between the people that we're trying to really communicate well with. So this is one of the most important practices, one to get right. But boy, when you approach it with a direct report and you say, you know what, I'm going to be a little vulnerable here. I don't think I'm as good a communicator as I could be or should be. Help me out. <laughs> let's help each other. So let's make sure that we're never making assumptions. You know, and if you have an issue, come knocking or don't send me an email. So if you say to them, hey, you know, don't email, but just give me a call. But then your head's down emailing with them and starting an email thread three, four, five, six, seven risks long instead of just picking up the phone to call them, going over to ask them. You know, if you don't change your behavior, they will follow you. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't well, change yeah. your behavior, they're just you're just going to get back whatever you're throwing out, regardless yeah, exactly. of what the, what words come out of your mouth. Exactly. So here's something that could help keeping expectations clear and communicating well in some kind of context, and that is you have to have a good meeting pulse with each of your direct reports. You've got to have that that meeting pulse that keeps the circles connected. And I kind of see three different things here. And one of them is that the circles aren't connected at all. We rarely meet. And that's a train wreck waiting to happen. And quite frankly, for me, the purpose to have a meeting kind of threefold, right? One of them is we want to address an issue. And an issue, by the way, is just a topic. It's not always a problem. So we want to address and solve issues. 
we want to make sure we're getting stuff done. And a meeting pulse is an opportunity to really increase team health. So it's those three things. Part of that meeting pulse, and this is the fourth management practice, is having conversations with each of our direct reports. This is the one that I've gotten a lot of resistance to myself as I've taught this to clients and to bosses in different organizations. And quite frankly, I struggled with this myself when Gino first taught this to me. There's a big difference between talking to our people all the time and actually sitting down with them on a quarterly basis and really have a conversation around what's working and what's not working. And the context for this quarterly conversation is three things. Core values. Are we on the same page? And do we really both value what we value, right? So it's about the culture of the organization. Are we on the same page with that? Secondly, it's about their roles. So how are we doing in terms of the major roles and responsibilities of the seat that they're in in the organization? Whatever function they have, that they, they fulfill, are they really doing that? And then thirdly, it's about metrics and about a concept that we call rocks, which are just key priorities in 90 days. How are they doing in terms of getting really important things accomplished? And then give me a little feedback. How am I doing? You know, how am I doing as your boss? That's totally conversation. Just imagine if that was practiced really, really well, how that would help us improve the relationships that we have with our direct reports. We tell people, you don't have to document this. You don't have to have anybody sign a form. We're just having a conversation. Very, very powerful, very simple. But it's amazing how hard this is for bosses to do. And the reason for that is we haven't done a good job of getting good at keeping expectations clear, communicating well, and developing a great meeting pulse. So it's hard to have these quarterly conversations without those three things in place. Absolutely. I mean, you have to create a habit around the communications. And then once you have that, then you build the trust of how that works with your direct reports. And then it becomes more natural. But I think, you know, a lot of it, Renee, comes back to what you're talking about. So many things now that take the place of communication, these channels, right, that we think we're communicating and we're really not. We're really not. And in fact, quite frequently creating distractions for each other. So I I think it it really takes some of that leadership you're talking about to really think about how you want to do this. And it sounds like you've provided some very specific frameworks to help people with the best practice to really have these kinds of conversations. Absolutely. So the fifth management practice is all about rewarding and recognizing. And when I talk about this with groups and I ask leaders and managers, so how well do you really reward and recognize people? Everyone admits that we're not very good at this. And so what's happened here, because we're not very good at this, it's not spontaneous, it's not from the heart, we end up creating these elaborate programs, you know, like employee of the month and salesman of the year and all these things that we're rewarding plaques and trophies and efforts of administrative work goes into this. We've completely lost how simple this can be. You know, it's taking the time to say thank you. And, oh, by the way, you hit the cover off the ball. You've made an impact. It's amazing the power of a bit of positive recognition. When performance isn't measuring up, we've got to be willing to sit down with someone and say, hey, you know, that's not working. 
and let's have a conversation to get things back on track. And doing it quickly, you know, happening oftentimes is is we're kind of keeping a little sheet of paper of all the ways that someone fell and could have done something better. And then we get to the end of the year and we gunny sack someone with a whole list of issues. It's kind of like, well, if that was a problem, why didn't you talk to me about that six months ago? Surprise. Yeah, surprise. Well, you know, and it really, when you put hand over heart, the reason I didn't do that is I was afraid, you know, for whatever reason. I just didn't call it out when I saw it. And so instead of a friendly tap on the shoulder, it turns into, you know, hitting somebody over the head. One of the questions that were frequently asked is, how do I hold my people more accountable? And the answer is simple. You can't. You can't hold anybody accountable. If you have to hold someone accountable, you either have the wrong person or you as a boss are just ignoring these very simple leadership and management practices. Renee, that's excellent. In the hiring process, how do we surround ourselves with great people? Think about it this way. The first thing that's important is we need to surround ourselves with people that really value what the organization values most. So we got to have people that share our core values. It's something that you cannot teach. So someone has to really buy in and value what the organization values. So as an example, let's say that one of your core values is help first. If you have someone who doesn't really buy into that concept and you have them working in your organization, It's just a matter of time before that manifests itself in very, very destructive ways. So we've got to take the time in the selection process to ensure that the people that we're bringing into the organization are aligned with our organization's core values. So that's step number one. Step number two is we really have to figure out whether that person really wants and has the capacity to do the work that we expect them to do. And that starts with us as leaders and managers creating some real clarity around what are the roles and responsibilities of the seat. People are being hired to fulfill a job, but we really haven't thought about it in terms of what we want them to perform. And so when you boil it down to five major roles and responsibilities, it really does get it down to a nutshell. We're not sitting there worried about four or five pages of a detailed job description. It's just at a high level. What are the five major roles and responsibilities? And do you get it? Do you really want it? And do you have the capacity to do it? Renee, I got to ask in all of your experience, you know, when it comes down to actually having to let somebody go and it's just not working out, have you ever regretted doing that? No. And over all the other business owners you've worked with, have you ever had somebody tell you, man, I really regret that I fired that person? No, no. In fact, quite the opposite. And whenever I'm working with a team and someone on that team said, well, I have to let someone go, I asked that question. And they say, you know what? The only regret I have is that I waited too long to do that. Because the fact is, when you have someone working for you who either doesn't share your core values or really doesn't fit the seat, don't get it, want it, or have the capacity to do it, you can't hide that. Everybody knows. And if you don't take action, it just drags down everyone's performance. It drags down the environment. It hurts the culture. And we're not doing that person any favors. And and so this is something else just to consider. I think we have an obligation to ourselves and to the people that we work with 
to ensure that, that opportunity every day to work on things that we love to do and we're great at doing. And unfortunately, because so many of us are buried in the weeds, we never take the time to really discover what those things are. And when you think about things that we love to do and we're great at, it's our unique ability. And there's so many people today that have never taken the time to really discover that unique ability. And unfortunately, they're in jobs and they're doing things that they're good at doing, but they have no passion for. And so every day is another day of having to go to work, not wanting to go to work. And when we have people that are working for us that are kind of a world and we don't help them, and challenge them to really think about what they love to do and what they're great at, or maybe that's a description of ourselves. Life is just not a very exciting thing. And I think there's a bit of mutual responsibility here. We have to help, but we have to help people step up as well. And so I would encourage people to have those conversations because then you really are showing genuine care for someone. If you're a boss, there's no escaping it. You have to be providing leadership and management. You have to get it. You really have to want that role, and you have to have the capacity to do it, right? And if you don't, it doesn't make you a bad person. In fact, if you don't, you're better off doing what you really love to do and you're great at, which is probably leveraging some kind of technical ability or skill. If you happen to be the world's greatest sales guy, go sell. Don't accept a position as a sales manager. <laughs> you know, the, it sounds uh, like you're speaking from experience. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, it, it, there's just there's a lot of people that got into those boss roles because of their knowledge and technical expertise. I mean, quite frankly, that's how I got into middle management. But you did a great job running a restaurant. And now we'd like to have you run an area and supervise managers. Well, I wasn't equipped to deal with that. Right. <laughs> And yeah, then, course, by, the, by the way, we're not going to train you. We're just, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, and of course, like you, then, figured, you figured it yeah, out that, pretty well. Then after stumbling and bumbling along in that role, you finally figure it out. Because I think the key ingredient here is you really want it. If you really want it, the rest of it, you're going to figure out. But, you know, you end up stumbling along in that position. And next thing you realize, someone taps you on the shoulder and says, you know, you're really well at that. Now we're going to put you in this next position. And it starts all over again. And so if I had something where I could rewind the clock, I wish that I would have met Gino a long, long time ago. If I would have known 30 years ago what I've learned the hard way over all those years and what I've learned in just applying these practices, boy, it would have been a much, much better business experience. And we didn't have the great tools we have today, such as this book, How to Be a Great Boss. We had nothing. <laughs> so we were inventing it back then. It was amazing. So, Renee, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a fantastic conversation, really valuable information for our listeners. And sneak peek at a great book, How to Be a Great Boss. Well, you're welcome. It was my pleasure. I had a great time speaking to you about a subject that's near and dear to my heart. So thank you so much for the opportunity to share the content of our book, How to Be a Great Boss. Much appreciated. Is there anything else you'd like to leave with our listeners? Uh, yes. So in addition to the book, uh, we've created a website called howtobeagreatboss.com. On that website, we have a toolkit that is a companion piece to the book, How to Be a Great Boss. So it, it has an explanation of all the tools, and that's available free as a download. It's a PDF file. And then uh, we've also created a fun infographic that describes the qualities of a great boss and also what a not-so-great boss looks like. 
and that's available for download, and people are having a lot of fun with that. That's it for resources. I would just leave everyone with a thought. As I described the management practices and leadership practices, it might seem a bit overwhelming. I would just challenge the listeners to think about just one of those things and leveraging that and getting really, really good at one of those 10 practices and try that out for the week or the month, whether it's the meeting, Paul's communicating your expectations, pick one and run with it. We've had the pleasure of speaking with Renee Barr, EOS implementer and co-author of How to Be a Great Boss. You can learn more about Renee as well as find links to his book, the toolkit, and the infographic on our show notes at businessownersradio.com. And while you're commuting to and from your office or to the gym, why not listen to the latest business books on Audible? It's a great way to manage your time while continually adding to your growing business knowledge. Business Owners Radio and Audible.com have teamed up to offer you a free audiobook with a free 30-day trial to give you an opportunity to check out their service. Choose from over 180,000 titles for your mobile device. Just look for the Audible 30-day free trial logo in our show notes at businessownersradio.com. Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, we would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.